Welcome to the Colonial Church STA podcast. The vision of Colonial Church is to build an exciting, vibrant, Bible-based church right here in the heart of St. Augustine, Florida. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. Tonight, if you want to if you want to experience the success that Drew spoke about, right, if you want to pursue God's specifically crafted will for you, you've got to give up at least one thing in your life, and that is this, making excuses. Look at the person next to you say he's talking about you. Go ahead. <laughs> you didn't know that, did you? So I think that tonight can be a tremendously impactful evening for you if you lean in and receive what God has to say. The reason why I'm so confident about this is not because I'm preaching this message. It's because it comes from God's word, right? And God's word is alive. It's settled in heaven forever. The Bible says that God exalts his word above his own name in Psalm 138. So when you get something that is eternal, something that your body, soul, and spirit were designed to receive, and it comes forth from heaven, it's going to make a difference within your life. And if it doesn't, then we have some talking to do, okay? And I would encourage you to come and see me, because I believe that when the word is brought forth by the power of the Holy Spirit, you will have something happen to you deep down on the inside. It's a work that will continue, and it will produce fruit within your lives, and you will experience that success that God wants you to have. If you quit making excuses. Tell the person next to you, say, he's still talking about you. <laughs> In all seriousness, this is, this is a very powerful statement that I'm about to make. I need you to hear this. You are not an accident. You're not an accident. Tonight is not an accident. Your life is not an accident. You might be here tonight, and I came here tonight with a little bit of heaviness in my heart, And I feel like there's someone here in this room that God was kind of speaking to me about that is like at a crossroads. And maybe this is for you and for you only, and all of us here will applaud God forever and ever if this will change your life. But you are not an accident. Nobody is. You draw breath. The blood flows through your veins. You are sitting in these seats. You are here tonight. You are brushing shoulders with all of these people for a purpose and for a reason. Your life has meaning. You are important to each and every person within this room. You may not even know half of us, and I may not even know you. But your life is not an accident. Secondly, if you want to have a successful life, a successful life does not come by just praying and singing songs. Can you say amen to that? I'm not being critical of the prayers because we need to pray, amen, and we need to worship, right? But sometimes we need to do stuff too. Sometimes we need to take some action. And if I were to ask you tonight, if there are two or three things within your life that you would like to see changed, would you be able to speak them out loud? I'm not asking you to do that, but would you be able to say, you know, I really would like this to be changed. I'm talking about real practical stuff. I'd like to be six inches taller. And I've been praying my entire life and nothing's happened. (laughs) That does not mean God does not exist, by the way, right? Okay, you got that, okay? So, but what, what things in your life would you like to see changed? Okay. Here's the thing. The minute you start thinking about change within your life, we always automatically, like, 
especially with me, stuff rises up, giving me excuses why I cannot go through with it. A long time ago, my wife and I made this agreement that we will not make excuses for anything God calls us to do. We will never say we can't. We will never say it's hard. We, we will just do it because that's what God wants us to do. It hasn't been easy, but you know what? That's where life is. It's really amazing. I want you to, to focus on what I'm about to tell you. Here's a couple of fill-ins. If you're taking notes, deciding to be different invites reasons to stay the same. I could have used the word excuses, but you, most of you are college students, and reason is what you do on a daily basis, right? And, uh, you know, rationale is in there, logic and reason and learning and higher education. And we sometimes say, well, it's not an excuse. It's a reason why I can't do whatever it might be. Because excuses are for different people. But, you know, I'm just going to give you a calculated reason as to why I cannot do something. As soon as you make a decision to do something, as soon as you do that, then all of a sudden, reasons come up on the inside of you. Excuses come up on the inside of you. And you start to convince yourself you cannot and should not do what you feel like you should do. We're going to look at a story tonight that Jesus uh, talked about in Luke chapter 14. You have it on your sheet. It'll be up behind me. Or Do you have this over there, Tom? It'll be over there as well. Luke 14, Jesus says this. A man prepared a great feast and sent out many invitations. I think it's pretty cool. This guy's going to have this big party, right? It wasn't just a small dinner party. It was a great feast. And he sent out many invitations. And when the banquet was ready, uh, he, he sent his servant to tell the guests, come, the banquet is ready. But they all began saying out loud, doing what? Say it out loud one more time. They all began to make excuses. Check it out. One guy said, I just bought a field and I must inspect it. Who buys a field without ever looking at it? <laughs> right? So automatically you're going to see that our excuses and our reasons sometimes are pretty dumb. Here's another guy. I just bought five pairs of oxen and I want to try them out. How do you test drive an ox? <laughs> Come on. And, and why would you ever buy oxen without looking at them first, making sure they can do it? So that guy's was, that was pretty dumb. Here's another guy, like Drew. I just got married, and so I can't make it. <laughs> now, my wife's not here tonight, and I will tell you this. When, um, when we first got married, she was uh, profoundly unsuccessful at cooking. <laughs> and she's just, she's imp- she, she would say this. Like, I was raised in an Italian home, and you know what she put in the sauce, the very first sauce she made for me? Hot dogs. <laughs> she thought that was like a sausage or something, so... I didn't divorce her, okay? I didn't. We're still together. Everything is still going well, and she's so grateful to be married to me. And <laughs> so after the invitation was sent out, there was excuses after excuses after excuses, reasoning and all that other kind of stuff, and they're given all these things like, you know what? I can't do it. Have you ever said to yourself something like this? You know, I tried this last year or last month or six months ago, and it didn't work, so why bother? I I stopped trying because I I can't seem to get beyond X, Y, Z, whatever it might be. I get it. 
You know, in New Year's, we all make these resolutions, and the statistics say that a full 40% of the people that make their New Year's resolutions on January 1st are out of the game by the end of January. 75% are done by mid-February, and probably the vast majority of the others end sometime in March. We do not fulfill changes that we want to make ourselves. I'm going to tell you why in just a minute. The reason why is because the, the, the things that we want to have changed are typically me-centered. They're, 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 they revolve around me. In case you didn't know it, you're looking at a very selfish person. There's three people that are so important in my life, me, myself, and I. And that's part of my flesh, right? You might be able to identify with that because the world does not revolve around Bob Appleby or the universe itself, but sometimes I think it should, right? That's, I'm just being plain with you. I, I don't like that part of me. That's the part of me that I want to suppress. That's not the part of me that I want to fan into flame and bring out so everybody can see it. I want to live a, not a self-centered life, but a selfless life. And typically in my life, when, when I have reasons or I want things to have changed and everything, and I don't actually do it, it's because they're me-centered. They focus on me. It's what I want. And the problem with that, of course, is that I have to rely upon my own strength I have to rely upon my own resolve. I have to rely upon my own resources. And can I tell you something? They're limited. Because if I can be excellent in so many things, I will be excellent in everything. But I can't because I'm limited. I am, I am designed, I was born with the need for God. I am not designed to walk through life. I am not designed to be married. I'm not designed to, to, to be a father and a grandfather. I'm not designed to be a preacher without God. You need, I don't care what you do, you can be an architect, an engineer, a singer, no matter what it is, you are designed to have God with you, and you will partner with God as you go forward into your future, and then you will have a life of purpose and meaning. But without God, you will continually rely upon your own resources, and you'll fall short, and you'll get frustrated. And you'll say, what's life all about? Am I ever going to be as good as that other guy that Drew was just talking about? You compare yourself. Instead of just looking up to the one into his eyes, the one that created you, breathed life into you, and said, you have a purpose on this world. See, there's a difference between good intentions and God intentions. I have good intentions. They're me-centered. A God intention is God-centered. A God intention looks to God and said, God, I can't do this without you. Uh, I need your resources. I need your power. I need your help. I need your strength for me to be able to accomplish what you've called me to do. And therein lies the tremendous difference. So I want us to all stop making excuses. Is that good? Yeah, okay. So here's a question I want to ask you. And... You can write this down. What does God want to be different about your life? What does God want to be different about your life? I want you to think about that for just a minute. What God wants may be the very same thing that you want. It might be. You, you might have this God intention that's been birthed on the inside of you, and today you feel like, yes, this is it. This is the question that's been reverberating in my soul for the past few weeks or few months or whatever it is, and, and you just can't get it out, but now you're going to put it on paper. 
God is calling you to do something. God wants difference in your life, a change in your life. He wants you to do something that's going to be scary even. And maybe God wants you to become generous, more generous with your time, maybe your finances. Maybe God wants you to become, um, you know, like an investor in somebody else's life. Maybe God wants you to disciple somebody or mentor somebody or meet with somebody on a weekly basis, grab a couple of coffees and just say, hey, man, let's talk about the word. Let's talk about your life. How you doing? Develop a real friendship that runs deep. That no matter what happens to that other person, you're still going to stand by that individual side and show them the true love of Jesus Christ. Maybe, maybe God wants you to become more involved in the ministry. Maybe God wants you to spend some more private time with him. I'm just throwing stuff out there. I have no idea. Maybe God wants you to get rid of a toxic relationship. Somebody or a couple of somebodies that are like pulling you down. Maybe. Well, what I want you to do is, you see that blank, Shannon, on your piece of paper? <laughs> Here's what I want you to do. I want you to write down one or two, maybe three things that you believe God wants to have difference, to make a difference in your life, that God wants to change within your life. Now, look, if it's something private, you know, you don't want other people knowing because your nosy neighbor is automatically looking over and seeing what you're going to write anyway. We know that. Just write private because, you know, you don't want them to look at you and say, man, you're nasty. What are you thinking about? And then when you're looking over on their paper and it's blank, then you say to them, what are you, Jesus? You have nothing wrong with your life? Yeah, then you please lay hands on me. Would you do that? Go take a minute and just write down what are one, maybe two things that God wants you to see or to have or to manifest a change within your life. The what is very important. What is going to provide you direction? This is where I'm moving towards. This is what I'm going for. This is what I believe. This is something that it might only be one thing, but it's something that is burning on the inside of you. It might, it might feel like uncomfortable. But you know that some change has to take place. The second question is this. Why does God want change? Why does God want that thing to be different in your life? And I'll tell you why. That question is so important. Because when you connect the spiritual what with the spiritual why, you get purpose. You get motivation. You get energy. When you understand that you should do something, but then you understand the why you should do something, and you know you've got all of heaven behind you to fulfill your purpose, the design destiny that God has for you, it not only gives you more momentum and purpose, but it actually provides the power that you need to see something accomplished within your life. Within your life. So what, is it, what can it be? Let's just say God wants you to lose weight and get in shape or whatever. You have to ask the question, why? I'll tell you why. It's so that everybody can look at you and say, man, you look amazing. No, that's me-centered, right? It's because your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, and the Bible says glorify God in your body. You need to have energy. You need to throw your Twinkies away. Can somebody say amen? amen. Throw them towards me, though, because I really do like Twinkies. I'll tithe off of them and throw the rest out. But what is it? If God, if God gives you the why, the what becomes easier. The what is not your problem any longer. It's God's. If you can sit there and say, God, I know you want me to do this, that's all the difference than when you're looking in the mirror and saying, you know what, we really need to make a change here. It's totally different. It's a game changer. The why behind the what. 
So when you understand the what part and then you understand the why part, it really makes a difference. Maybe God wants you to spend more time with him in a devotion on a regular basis. I feel like one of the reasons God has placed me on this earth and given me a ministry to preach and to teach and just to be with people is to promote and encourage people spending time on a regular basis in God's word in his presence. We recharge our phones more than we recharge our spirits. And I don't think we should take better care of our phones than we should of the part of us that connects with God. So if God's speaking to you about that today, then you have to ask the question, why? God, why do you want me to do that? I'll tell you why. So you can have a nice picture of a coffee cup and your Bible and post it on Instagram and show everybody how spiritual you are. And they're like, wow, man, you must walk on water. And so that's not the why. You know why? When life happens, and it does, and it will, and it will always, you need to have a life that is built upon that solid foundation of Jesus' teachings so that when the storms of life come and they batter against you and the wind blows and the rain comes, you will be left standing because there is one holding you up, the name of Jesus Christ. Because you've cultivated a relationship with him on a regular basis and you're with him on a daily basis, I'm not trying to get legalistic. I'm just trying to encourage you to feed your spirit. You need that. Um, I wish my wife was here. She wasn't feeling well tonight, but we've been um, happily married for coming up on 38 years. Is that not amazing or what? Listen, if there's anybody that deserves applause, it's her, and I'm sure you can believe that too. We have a routine in the morning, and I'm not saying this to promote us. I'm just using this as an example that when we get up, we barely even talk to each other. We have our coffee. She has her, I have her, my coffee, she has her tea. She goes to one part of the house, I go to the other part of the house, and I have a date with Jesus, and she has a date with Jesus. And neither one of us are looking at our phones, we're not listening to music, we're not trying to find out what's going on with my friend and what did they post last night. We're not watching TV. It's just this private little date that we do every day. And it's with God. So I just, th there's a why behind that. Why do we do that? Well, we, we do that because we've lived long enough to understand that we can't do life well without him. And I need him. So when those burdens come in, when the fears assail you and you have nothing to fall back on, then your life can literally crumble. But with the strength of Jesus that's being fed into your spirit on a daily basis, you will stand tall, and you will be in victory. I promise you that. When you connect the spiritual why with the what, you understand that the power comes from God. If you can understand that the creator of this universe wants to place his hand upon your back and provide every resource of heaven for you to accomplish the task that he has deposited within your heart, you understand the why, then no excuse in the world will ever matter. No one can talk you out of what because you understand the why. Does that make sense? I've stopped making excuses and I hope and pray that you will too. We're going to go to the
picture in the Old Testament where God is speaking to Moses and he's going to tell Moses, I want you to lead my people out. And of course, Egypt was a cruel nation. They hated the Israelites, hated God's people and the Israelites that were God's chosen people. They were cruel. They were harsh. And God asked Moses to do something. When God asks you to do something, the what, don't think that it's going to be accomplished easily. Right? If you read anything uh, that, if you get the wild man stories and you hear about Tim, Tim said that if it's not hard or if it's not scary or if it's, I'm paraphrasing now, something that's really challenging, God's probably not in it. See, God calls us to do something that, in our mind, it's impossible to do. That's why we need him. That's why we need him. So God says to Moses, Moses, you're my guy. You know what Moses says to God? You're, I'm not your guy. It's literally what he says. And I'm going to prove it to you right now. Look at what it says in Exodus chapter 3. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel. The Lord, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my eternal name, my name to remember for all generations. Now go and call together all the elders of Israel. Tell them, the Lord, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, has appeared to me. He told me, I have been watching closely, and I see how the Egyptians are treating you. I have promised to rescue you from your oppression in Egypt. I will lead you to a land flowing with milk and honey, the land where the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, the Skeetabites, now all of Are you listening? I'm just thinking if you're listening. That's all, okay? The elders of Israel will accept your message. Then you and the elders must go to the king of Egypt and tell him, the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has met with us, so please let us take a three-day journey into the wilderness to offer sacrifices to the Lord our God. In comes the excuse. Moses. He pleaded with the Lord. Oh, Lord, I'm not very good with words. Doing pretty good right now, Mo, right? Sorry. I, I never have been, and I'm not now. Even though you have spoken to me, I get tongue-tied, and my words get tangled. Then the Lord asked Moses, who made a person's mouth? Who decides whether people speak or do not speak, hear or do not hear, see or do not say? See, is it not I, the Lord? Now go. Somebody say, now go. Now go. I will be with you as you speak, and I will instruct you in what to say. In other words, Moses said, I don't like public speaking. I don't want to pee my pants in front of all these people. I don't know what to do. God says, I don't care about that. I've made you. I've created you. I will fashion you, and I will give you everything that you need to accomplish what I've called you to do. Because Moses was listing his resume of excuses, and Moses was looking at all of the limitations that he had rather than the unlimited resources of God. See, our eyes focus on us me-centered rather than on God, God-centered. And when we get our eyes off of ourselves and we look upon God, then anything can be possible with him. See, our lives are so focused in the mirror on social media and all that other stuff, we can forget about God. But when you start to gaze into Jesus and when you start to see what he's like in Scripture... When you see the things that he's done and the lives that he's changed, when your gaze falls upon him and off of you, you begin to think like you're a giant. You begin to think that you can do anything. Excuses melt away. They just diminish in the presence of God. That's why we should stay close with God. God said to Moses, who gave man his mouth? Who gave man his mouth? Anybody know? College students? Very good. Did you guys cheat? You, you read ahead, didn't you? Who, who gave man the ability to hear? Anybody? 
God. Who, who gave man the ability to speak? Who holds your breath? Who holds your heart? Who holds your life in his very hands right now? Your loving creator. In other words, if I'm going to ask you to do something, I'm going to provide everything that you need. Jeremiah 32, 27, you can see what it says right there on the scripture, on the page, rather. I'm the Lord, the God of all the peoples of the world. Is anything too hard for me? I believe with all my heart that today, some of you are at a crossroads. And you've been thinking that life is difficult. You know you've got to make some choices, but you didn't think you had the strength or the fortitude or whatever it takes to be able to do it. But now that you've been introduced to a God that knows how to cause people to speak and hear and to do anything that he would have us to do, when you know that you have him as not just a friend but also as a resource, then you know that you can do anything and that your life can actually begin to turn upwards and you begin to experience a life that Drew spoke about, one with a divine destiny, a divine purpose, with success involved in it, for you to be able to fit the pattern that you were created through. You know, God uniquely fashioned you he gave you life experience. He gave you certain education. You were raised in a certain type of a home in a certain place in the country. And you are here today, and you have a life ahead of you that will be totally fulfilling and satisfying when you are living in the center of God's will. You'll wake up every day and say, let's go. And yeah, there'll be some battles. There'll be some giants. Our God's bigger than a giant. Our God's already won the victory. The Bible says that Jesus Christ always leads us on in triumph. The Bible says that faith is the victory. Your faith is not in anyone here in this room or even in this church as an organization or this group of people. Faith is in the one who created you, the one who breathed life into you, the one who fashioned you, formed you, put you together unique makeup that only you can fulfill. I know I need to get up earlier, but I'm, I'm just really too tired, so you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to pray, God, wake me up. Guess what's going to happen? Can I say something? Set your alarm. <laughs> On the other side of the room, don't get spiritual and say, Lord, wake me up. I believe God's just going to take away the desire of Twinkies. No, I promise you that will not happen. I'm living by experience. If there was a Twinkie outside that door, I'd drop this mic and go for it right now. I know God wants me to be pure and leave a relationship, but I don't want to be lonely. When you meet the Jesus of our soul, you'll never, never be lonely saying you won't need people because we're designed to have relationship, but you will not be lonely. You could be in a room of 80 people and be lonely. So I'm going to ask you this question. What is it that God wants to change within your life? What's, what have you been thinking about chewing on, meditating on, marinating in? What is it in your life that you think God wants you to take that step? You know the what, you know the why. Don't you think that the God of creation will provide you with everything that you need to take that step? I know that he will. Last verse, 
Exodus 4, 12. You're going to have to look at it. God says, I will help you. I will teach you what to say. But before that, he issues Moses two words. Now go. Now go. Once you go, Moses, I will help you to speak. Once you go, Moses, I will teach you what to say. But I will not help you to speak, and I will not teach you what to say if you just sit there. Now go. Now go, Moses. James says when you draw near to God, he will draw near to you. See, I believe that God is is waiting for people who will stand up in faith and say, I'll go, I will go. And then when you go, you might be scared, you might be uncomfortable, you might not know what to do, but when you go, you know who's going to be facing you? It's Jesus. He'll lead you on the way. He will help you to speak. He will teach you what to say. He will help you to do the things that you need to do only if you get up and go. And that's your choice. He won't force that on you. He's given you the freedom of will. Two quick things. Do what you can do now. That word now is so important. The Bible says this, now faith is a substance of things hoped for. Now. Faith is a now thing. It's not a tomorrow thing. It's not, oh, when my faith gets up. The measure of faith that you have right now is enough to do what God has called you to do. I promise you. Do what you can do now. Just do it. Get up and go. Get up and go. Get up and go. Start doing what God wants you to do. Yeah, you might get up really early and you might start your devotion with God. You might be sleepy or whatever it is. But guess what? You did it. Do it the next day. Do it the next day. And do it the next day. And then you have this habit in your life. And all of a sudden, you will wake up one day and say, I can't wait to meet with God. And you have this amazing spiritual experience because God breathed into your life. Do what you can do now. And then lastly, trust God to do what you cannot do. That's why you need God, right? And I'm not talking about using God like he's Amazon or just some crutch. Because it sounds like that, but it's not that. It's about doing life with God. It's fulfilling his purpose. Can I tell you something? When, when, when you, with the way that God has crafted you, the way he's created you, the way that he's wired you, the way that God has designed you, as unique as everybody else is in this world, you are so different than everybody else. I don't want you to think that you're just a run-of-the-mill type of an individual. You are here for a purpose. As I mentioned earlier on in this message, you are here for a purpose, and God has designed you to do something that only you can do, and I need you to do it. The person to the left of you, to the right of you, to the front behind you, we all need you to do that. We are the body of Christ. We are not some mamby-pamby, limp-wristed, cheeseball type of individuals that walk around with a tail tucked between our legs. We serve the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He's defeated death. He's defeated the devil. He has all power in heaven and on earth, and he will give you what you need to do. Trust God to do that. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We would love to connect with you. Join us on Sundays at church or visit us at www.colonialchurch.life.